The hardest thing for a prophetic vessel is to see the weaknesses and sins of their own culture, society, or tribe. If we're attached to something, we can be blinded by it. If we attempt to discharge our prophetic burden upon worldly affairs without first shaking off a love for and our identity in our culture, our lens and discernment get destabilized by the surrounding culture. In this episode of Keep It 100, we will hit the table to talk about what to do about prophetic disappointment and redeeming the prophetic expression. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, it is Sean and Krista Smith, and we are so excited to be with you for another episode of Keep It 100 Podcast. Hey, hey, what's up, fam? Come on, we had such a fun weekend. We had incredible time with amazing friends that we don't get to see too often, and we just had an incredible time. We certainly did, and I can't even remember the last time we've entertained people at our house on back-to-back nights. Who are we? Who are we? I mean, part of it obviously has been this whole quarantine season. The other thing is we're so busy traveling. We're out or when we're back, we're either resting or we're preparing for Mm -hmm. the next thing that we have. And so it was super rarity, but super enjoyed having such great friends Yeah, it was amazing. And it was Super Bowl weekend. And one of the things about the Super Bowl, which Tom Brady does have another ring, everyone. I know you already (laughs) know that. I will admit I was pulling for Kansas City. I said this. I said, hey, if Tom Brady wins again, we may have to allow him to enter into the GOAT conversation. I know there's some people saying, what do you mean enter in? He is the GOAT. (laughs) I know, but you got to understand different eras. There's other quarterbacks that were in different systems, which those debates will go on forever. Right. But anyway, I think outside of the two teams that take the field, the other draw of the Super Bowl is always the halftime show. Yeah, it's true. Everyone looks forward to that. And this halftime show was pretty consistent with what we normally see in recent Super Bowl. It's always the talk around the office and trending on social media. And speaking of The weekend, there was an artist that did the halftime show called The Weekend. And there's a certain point, for those of you that didn't see the halftime show, certain point where this artist, he's a Canadian 30-year-old, very talented, called The Weeknd, that he goes through this golden maze in the middle as he's at the Kansas City Stadium. Camera is shaking. It's going in and out. His face is coming up to the camera, kind of oversized. Then you get maybe two dozen kind of people that look like they got these weird futuristic hockey masks, look like something off Friday the 13th. (laughs) And he's singing this song, I Can't Feel My Face When I'm With You. Right. And actually, I think that song's actually about cocaine. You know, it's for a long time, I didn't know that. So I was like, why is it when you're with your girl, you can't feel your face? Like, I just didn't understand that. The girl's name's cocaine. So that totally makes sense. And obviously, we don't stand for that at all. Well, and I think the maze, what you're talking about was kind of a psychedelic drug trip a little bit. I think it was just kind of this like, kind of erratic, chaotic maze where, you know, it was like people running into each other, couldn't find their way out. And so we're watching this really bizarre video and where no one really gets it. No one understands what's happening. It's like this weird moment. And I love this social media age we're in because immediately the social media world lit up with hilarious memes. Oh my gosh, people are so, so funny. I was, it was a couple of the memes that got me laughing. It's okay. So everybody, listeners, picture the weekend's face going in and out of the camera and all this chaotic stuff going on behind him. And one of the memes had a picture of 
of that video kind of going capturing through, that moment, capturing yeah. that moment. And it, the caption said me trying to follow the hostess to my table at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's hilarious. Another one was my favorite. Four-year-old me in the grocery store looking for my mom. Right. It's so true. And uh, what, what my coworkers, this one was so funny. They said, what my coworkers see on Zoom meetings when I think my camera's off. And I laughed so hard. I was like, right? It's like this chaotic, like craziness, like what is happening in their house, right? And then this was hilarious. This said, uh, the next one was the meme stating, my dad on FaceTime asking for IT support. (laughs) (laughs) I just died. And don't worry, dad. This was about a meme, not you. So there you go. That's crazy. You know, the other draw of the Super Bowl, again, outside of the two teams that take the field and the halftime show are the Super Bowl commercials. Right? We all love the watching. What are they going to do this year. Right? Yeah. CBS, who of course this year hosted and broadcasted the Super Bowl, they charge $5.5 million for a 30-second spot. Whoa. That's crazy money. It's so crazy that I don't know if some of the listeners spotted this, but longtime perennial advertising companies Budweiser were out. They usually have Budweiser and the Clydesdale horses. They, for the first time, went, peace out. We don't have that $5.5 million or we don't feel like that's where we want to spend it. So there was no commercial from Budweiser amongst the Super Bowl commercial. Well, that's interesting because if you also notice Coca-Cola for the first time didn't have a commercial because they're actually enduring financial difficulties through this whole thing. So they didn't want to pay the $5.5 million, which is really interesting because they're always included in the Super Bowl commercial lineup. Wow. My favorite was actually a newcomer to the Super Bowl commercial world and it's by Rocket Mortgage. So they had these series of commercials with this comedian, Tracy Morgan, and it was based on him showing a pair of prospective homeowners why pretty sure isn't sure enough. <laughs> right. And so first the husband that's thinking about buying a home saying, well, you know, we can be pretty sure, but Tracy Morgan's trying to convince him that you need to be certain. And then Tracy Morgan has the husband and the wife in a car and they're trying to jump a drawbridge. He says, I'm pretty sure we can make it. But then you see they're not going to make it. They're going to crash. And then he's speaking on a stump and the guy is underneath hornet's nest. And he says, I'm pretty sure those hornets aren't killer hornets. <laughs> and so they have all these things. And then finally at the end, they go back to the couple and they say, you need to be certain. True. And in fact, America said it was their number one Super Bowl commercial. Wow. I just read that on so social telling, media. So telling, isn't it? It is. And I believe there's a reason for this. I believe that that commercial resonated with the masses during this time because we are looking for certainty in our lives. It is so true. You know, in an article in psychology today, it talks about how actually you and I's brain, all of our brains crave certainty in a similar way and using circuits for how we crave food and other reward systems within our neurological system. You know, and as a result, we as humans find information actually rewarding. Isn't that interesting? Makes sense. So there's a lot of people that actually have info addiction is actually a part of that craving to be in the know, to have the latest information. It creates a reward system in our brains because a human brain is incredibly adverse to uncertainty and ambiguity. Yes, that is so true. And I think that kind of all goes back to the fact that we want to make sure that the thing we want to happen actually does happen. And that is exactly where our need for certainty begins. Because here's the truth. We want to know what will happen next 
so we can rest in the moment knowing everything will be okay. And that's been the problem over the last year. And now going in our second year, we don't know what's going to happen that's next. Right. And without it, we can't rest in the present moment, at least as America as a whole, because they're searching for certainty. And yet in the midst of all it, one of the purposes that God uses the prophetic by his Holy Spirit is to bring heaven certainty in a world of uncertainty. And you know, that's why we really want to talk about this topic today is because that is, like Sean just said, that is the one of the purposes of the prophetic is to bring certainty in the midst of uncertainty, to show God's heart, plans, and purposes in the midst of what is unknown, what is unforeseen. When you know the heart of God, the plans and purposes of God, it gives an assurance, a confidence, a faith, a rest, a peace, knowing that God has already gone before you and established what his will is and that when you're in alignment with his ways and his will, that there is a walking that out that will come to pass. And so what's interesting about the season that we're in, there's been such a prophetic disconnect uh, from what actually took place to what was prophesied. And so we really are after the credibility, but also the purpose of the prophetic voice in this hour, because there really has been a war for its credibility. The prophetic was so created to anchor us in the intention of God, which creates a certainty in God's plans and purposes. That's why we want to hit it. And we're going to talk about it even more in depth in the Hundo P segment, which we're going to dive into right now. Sean and Krista, here's a question for you. Why is prophecy so important, even in light of some prophets missing it? That is a great question. I believe we have to begin with scripture. Apostle Paul he actually gives us encouragement in regards to those who are struggling with discouragement around prophetic words. And the key passage he talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, which simply says, do not quench the spirit. So it begins by saying, in other words, don't quench the spirit. And anytime you see stuff like that, you have to pay attention to what follows it. In other words, Paul is going to begin to describe and elaborate what quenches the spirit. And so he's going to go on to say, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain every form of evil. So he said, don't quench the spirit. In other words, prophecy is important because it's part of the Holy Spirit's ministry to direct us into the will of the Father. So if you despise prophecy, you quench the spirit. So here's the full breakdown. He's given us two areas where we can possibly miss the Lord. And I feel like they're two extremes or they're two opposite ends of the spectrum or the pendulum swing that the body of Christ goes to. You can fall in the mistake on both sides. There are ditches on both sides. You can despise all prophecy or not test any of it, and both of it misses the will of God. You shouldn't despise all prophecy, and at the same time, you shouldn't fail to test it. So you have to come to a place where you are open and receptive of prophecy, yet you test it. And the question you ask me is, why is it important? Well, he finishes that passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, abstain every form of evil. So I believe prophecy helps you avoid the traps of the evil one. That when you it's have good. prophecy, like in the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah, because of the gift of prophecy, he knew what the evil king was trying yeah. to do. And so when the Bible says, do not be unaware of the devil's schemes, one of the 
important things of prophecies that allows you to know the mind of Christ, yeah. but it allows you to become aware of the plans of the evil one. I love that. That's so good. You know, I think for me, it's like the prophetic is so important because it gives us hope. You made a statement once that you said 99% of warfare is over perspective. It's over the way we see things. And for me, if I have hope for what God's doing in a situation, no matter what actually happens in the natural, I'm not coming underneath discouragement or disappointment, but rather I'm just going, okay, God, it's just a bigger miracle. It's a bigger breakthrough. It's a, you know, more glory for you because it just got darker, but your light's about to shine like never before. And so the prophetic is so important because it gives hope. It shifts your perspective. It keeps you connected to the heart of God. It keeps your eyes on the bigger picture rather than getting tripped up in the obstacles that we're facing in the natural. So I just want to speak this to our Keep It 100 tribe right now. There is going to be a move of God in America. End of story. There is going to be a great awakening that is happening in America. There are going to be signs, wonders, and miracles that are going to happen in our nation that we've never seen before. And regardless of what it looks like in the natural, I want you to know you can have hope that God is still on the throne and he is going to move and his plans and purposes are still going forward. And there's a confidence and a rest when you anchor yourself in what God has said. So why is prophecy so important? It connects me to the heart of God. Wow. That is so profound. And I love what you said. It gives you the big picture. Yes. We need to get that meta narrative so we're not trapped in the sub narratives. That's right. Second question for Hundo Pete. What are some of the pressures and challenges that prophets and prophetic peeps face today? You know, I think a lot of people in the prophetic ministry, and I do want to bring this quick clarification. There are people that are prophets and and moving in the office of prophet, and then there are simply prophetic people that are moving in the gift of prophecy. Those are two different things, but we are addressing them together today simply because they have the prophetic in common, meaning they're speaking from the spirit of the Lord and they're speaking prophetically. So let me just bring that clarification and then move forward in answering the question. So the pressures and challenges that prophetic people have in this moment, and I believe have had really for all time, and that is the people have often called on the prophet, have called on the prophetic voice in the most extreme of times. And extreme situations have high stakes. Yes. And so people come to the prophet of God. They come to the prophetic person. They come to the you know that prophetic voice when they need that breakthrough, when they need that healing, when they need that word from the Lord. When they're like, it's all on the line. They're at a crossroad moments. They are desperate. They're at the end of themselves. They're like, I need to hear the word of the Lord. And here's what's so important as a prophetic person, as a person that wants to minister in the prophetic is you know the spirit of God, but you can also feel the desire of the person that's coming to you. You can feel the desperation. And if you're not careful, if you're not rooted and grounded in the spirit of God, there is a temptation to come under what is hoping is prophesied. You can feel literally the desire of the person. And again, you're not to prophesy their desire. You're to prophesy the word of the Lord. And I think what's so important is to understand that people need the word of the Lord. They don't just need a nice word that maybe encourages them momentarily, but they need something that's going to root and ground them long term. And I think this is so important because you recognize in high stakes situations, there is a tendency to look for acceptance and even bring validation to the person that's coming to you. But friends, the only validation you are called to bring is the word of the Lord. I believe what you said is so true because I think being prophetic in nature, I sometimes you could feel that place 
that the word you're bringing is either success or failure, acceptance or rejection, vindication or humiliation. When the word is on, victories are won, breakthroughs result. But when it's off, like you said, it could be deflating and disappointing. And I love also, but what you talked about is how difficult it is in admitting a mistake. Because when you had when people feel like if I admit a mistake, it will ruin my credibility. That's right. And I think that that's really, really important, especially in this past season. I mean, I know I can say for myself, there were times prophetically that I knew the sway of the house I was ministering and I could feel the sway of the house politically. And that's not from a critical place. There's no judgment in me. There's no judgment in me as I say that. I simply recognize I did not have permission from the Lord to prophesy politically. I had heard a couple things from the Lord about it. He did not give me permission to release it. And yet I felt a sway and a pressure from the houses in the spirit to prophesy that. And yet because I had to stay rooted and grounded in what God was saying to me, I didn't have permission to go there. I think it's really important as a prophetic voice. We understand there's some people that got caught in that sway. Again, I'm not judging them. I'm not being critical of that, but we do have to call it out when people miss it, because if you prophesy publicly and you miss it publicly, I am a big believer that you correct it publicly. And what I saw that actually was disappointing to me was not that someone missed it. What was disappointing to me was when someone did miss it and they didn't correct it, or they released a video asking for forgiveness to correct it. And then when all the people that disagreed with them for correcting it got on there because the haters are going to hate, then they pulled the video. Here's my issue with that. And it showed me that the sway of those that come against them was greater than the conviction for the word of God that came through them. And I think that is so important for us to understand that if you're a prophetic person, you cannot be caught in the sway in the moment or even after the moment. So here's what I'm saying. Let me gather this statement altogether. There are moments where in our immaturity, in our flesh, we will prophesy to the desire of man rather than the desire of God. When we do that, we have to take ownership. And I believe that happened in this election time that people prophesied the desires of people rather than the spirit of God. And I know this might be controversial the people. I'm fine with that because I believe God allowed a sifting to show what the source we were prophesying from. And here's what's so important. When you miss it publicly, you need to correct it publicly and stand with that. Your responsibility is to own And I believe as you own it, it actually enforces a credibility and trustworthiness that God can use you. When I saw people actually own it, when they didn't try to excuse it, they actually just owned the miss. It actually created a safer place with their prophetic ministry because it then showed us there was a humility and a dependence on God that said, okay, this isn't about my reputation. This isn't about my ego. This is about honoring God. I love that. That actually made me appreciate respect them, value them all the more. It did not affect their credibility at all to me that they missed it. It actually increased my appreciation and value for what they carry because all the more when a prophetic person allows God to have a say in what they release and that's done publicly, all the more I trust it. That is so powerful. I love that. And I think, and I would add to that, is there, I think there's also another added advantage to humbly acknowledging when you miss it. And it's the simple truth that God can turn your oops into an upgrade. Yeah. In Luke 22, 31 through 32, Jesus comes to Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, which I'm under the impression that whenever Jesus says your name twice, you are in trouble. <laughs> right? Simon, Simon, Martha, Martha, Saul, Saul. He says, Simon, Simon, he says, Satan has demanded permission to sift you as wheat. To which if I'm Peter... 
And I'm thinking, and you told him no, right? And it's like, no. And he said, yet Jesus said afterwards, after you have turned back. And if I'm Peter, I'm like, oh no, that means I fall, I fail. And he says, after you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Now, first of all, let's look at this. It's interesting. He says, Satan has demanded permission to sift you as wheat. And I believe that what Jesus is acknowledging is, Peter, you're in a sifting season. And I think some of the situation with some of the misprophecies, but even looking at a more macrocosmic view of it, I think the body of Christ, we're in a sifting season right now. And God yeah. sifts things to shift things so ultimately he can lift things. And so this is part of God turning your oops into an upgrade. And I feel like this is a word for someone listening. Yeah. And so Jesus knew there was a demonic assignment against Peter. He says, Satan has demanded permission to sift you as wheat. He knew the failure was up ahead. He says, you're, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. Yet he allowed it to run its course. And sometimes you wonder, why does God allow a vessel like Peter or mm-hmm. prophetic people to miss it? And it's because he's got something on the other end. If like you were talking and addressing, if you humble yourself. So Peter failed. And obviously this was in reference to Later on, Peter would deny Jesus three times in front of a campfire girl. She she wasn't selling cookies, but she was a girl by a campfire. <laughs> but he owned it, you know, when he was restored at the beach, when Jesus said, he's making a fish fry, he says, Peter, you love me, feed my sheep three times. So Peter's failure and restoration signified an upgrade in his ministry. He was humbled, yet God used him to transform nations and propel the church So I believe that if we will lean in and like you said, acknowledge it, God will turn our oops into an upgrade as well. That's so good. I love that. So now question number three. What are some reasons why God allows us to make mistakes? That's such a good question. You know, I think there's a few reasons. I think one reason is sometimes we have blind spots and the Lord allows us to miss it to show us where we're out of alignment. And it's an invitation to get refocused and really realigned with the kingdom of God. And truth be told, I think we saw that in this past season with the whole presidential election. We saw people that were out of alignment. I feel like we saw people that had some blind spots. There was a political spirit that was partnered with. And people might disagree with me on that, and I'm okay with that. Um, But I really believe that we have to understand when there is a blind spot in our life, we will prophesy through that place. And I believe God allows us to quote, unquote, miss it because God's like, I'm the answer. I'm the savior, right? I'm the only one that's going to bring the breakthrough and the freedom and the outpouring that you're looking through. And I think sometimes we are relying on the wrong thing. And that comes through when we're looking at the wrong thing. And I think probably one of the greatest ways to say it to me, and it's something that I've been really walking through in my personal journey with Jesus, is making sure that my gaze is on Jesus. That is so profound. And I I would add to that too. I really feel like the Lord says that we're in an Isaiah 6 moment. And Isaiah, the great prophet, says in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died. And many people don't know this, but King Uzziah was a great, if you will, monarch, but he was a great political giant. And So many of the people of God had their eyes on Uzziah and he actually had pride in him and uh, he, the pride was part of his uh, undoing. But it says in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Mm -hmm. So it it shows that Uzziah had become so big in his gaze, kind of alluding to what you're talking about, that it was a distraction. But right after King Uzziah died, if you read Isaiah 6, the progression is Isaiah began to see his defects. Mm -hmm. And I feel like right now, the body of Christ, God is showing us shortcomings in things, which is always good. Yeah, absolutely. God only chastises children. He only prunes so there could be greater fruit. That's 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 a good place to be. 
And then right after that, seraphim came from the throne of God. So this is visitations, right? And he, they took a hot coal and touched his lips. And I believe that God, that hot coal touching the lips represents the voice. I feel like there's a reformation coming to the prophetic movement. Yeah. God wants to purify our lips and Absolutely. we speak. And we say we speak for God. We honestly have heard from God. But I love where it ends. Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. It led to a missional moment. And I feel like this whole thing is ultimately going to be about a mass harvest of people coming to know the Lord. So I feel like we lost sight. This is some of the reason why God allows us to make mistakes. When we lose sight of Jesus and the Father's disposition, God is allowing our situation to expose our distractions and to get us back founded on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I love that. That's so well said. You know, I think another reason that the Lord allows us to miss it sometimes is to show our independence of him. You and I are called to be fully dependent, fully surrendered to Jesus. And when we step out of that place of surrender, we step out of that place of adoration and we step into a place of self-independence of God. That's where I see people step into the place where they're operating simply out of their gift and they've shifted out of the anointing. You know, we've all been around people where they have the gift, but there's not the anointing. And the anointing is found in the presence of God. The anointing is found at his feet. The anointing is found from a place of surrender. And I believe like never before, the prophetic is being asked to come into a pressing season, a crushing season. The things that have been idols, the things that have been blind spots, the things that um, have allowed us to become independent of God um, are being pressed out of us if we say yes to that pressing process. But what I think is so important is we have to understand that we are called to be fully dependent. And so the Lord allows us at times to see our mistake, to recognize we might have a prophetic gift, but you're not anointed. You've lost the anointing. Wow. That's strong. We want to share with you now some things that we think can help you with prophetic disappointment because we have watched people, talked to people. We've uh, chimed in on social media or on various feeds, and we get sense that there's a lot of disappointment with the prophetic. And so we want to kind of conclude this segment with what can we do about prophetic disappointment? And I feel like the place you have to start is forgive and release those who failed. Mm -hmm. If you're not able to forgive and release those who failed, you will be stuck in disappointment. You have to forgive them because you have to understand only God, the Godhead, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, and the Word are infallible. Everything else is fallible, meaning they're subject to failure. And as a result of that, if we think that something's going to come out of someone's mouth and every single time they speak, it's going to be 100% God, 100% of the time, we set ourselves up for disappointment. And there could be two people saying it, prophesying it, three people saying it, it could be 20 people, it could be a lot of folks saying the same thing but they could all be wrong. And so you have to forgive and release them so you can move on. But the other thing I think about is Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. That I realize that you need to forgive and show mercy because you're going to need mercy. You're going to have to invest in that account if you want to uh, withdraw later down the line. And so if you will sow mercy, you will reap mercy And so forgiveness always allows the prison door to be open, the shackles to fall off so you can walk in freedom. And you have to understand they're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. And it's the reason why we need the blood of Jesus and the grace of God 
because we will miss it. But good news is God's purposes and plans can still flow through us as fallible vessels. And I think what you said is so good because I think, you know, recognizing people are going to miss it sometime, but also pay attention to who you're allowing to speak into your life. If there's a consistent pattern of that person missing it, that's probably not a voice you want speaking into your life. So God has given you the ability to test the fruit of the prophetic voices around you. So use that discernment, that gift of discernment to recognize, you know, and use the wisdom to know who is to speak into your life. And you want the fruit of their life multiplied in your life. So just to add to what Sean just said, I just love that. And just to add a little more to that, you know, another thing that we believe can really help you kind of walk out the journey of prophetic disappointment is really checking your heart and making sure it's right before God. And why is this so important? It's because your heart is so the place where you carry the affection and adoration to Jesus. And so when you have offense in your heart, when you have, let's actually bring it back to disappointment because disappointment is like that initial reaction. I'm disappointed. But if you don't deal with the disappointment, disappointment leads to disillusionment. If you don't deal with the disillusionment, it leads to offense. You get the point. So you have to understand dealing with the disappointment. You want to catch it at the very beginning. You don't want that thing to fester. You don't want that thing to grow. You want to take consistent inventory of your heart to really have a heart before God that is open, that is tender, that is listening to him, that's quick to forgive, quick to show grace, quick to show mercy, to let go of offenses. Your goal is to be unoffendable. I know that might sound impossible and it is in the natural, but it is possible with Jesus because even though people will wrong you, God, God will not. And he will take you through a place of what it is to walk in grace and forgiveness. So having your heart set right before God is key to overcoming prophetic disappointment. I love that because it, at the end of the day, we have to check our hearts. We're not to steward someone else's heart. Our, yes. our job is not to check someone else's That's heart. That's a good way to say it. Uh, they're not our servants. They're servants of the most high, but I am responsible for my own heart. I love that. Good. I would add to that. What else can we do about prophetic disappointment? Stop looking for unfulfilled conditions. For instance, if a prophecy has a time date on it, When that date passes, stop trying to make the prophetic word happen. If it misses the date, it's unfulfilled. Go back before the Lord. Allow him to clear the slate. Hear from the Lord afresh. I think so often we're trying to force words to happen that aren't maybe of the Lord or the timing of it is not right. So stop looking for unfulfilled conditions. And I would say too, let others go from the expectation relating to that prophecy. Let them go that you expect them to fulfill it. Release them from expectations and stop looking for unfulfilled conditions. Look at that point to fulfill the will of God from that point on in real time. I think that's so important because now you have a focus not on what you're trying to make fit that isn't of God, but you're actually trying to walk out what God does have for you in this season. Mm. And so that focus gets you out of the disappointment. And though it sounds cliche and I eschew cliches, I think it's very apropos here is that God wants to turn disappointment into his appointment. Mm, That's so good. I love that. You know, we've all dealt with prophetic disappointment, but I want to encourage you as a listener to really use those moments, not to become bitter or offended, but use them to mature in your walk with God. You know, there's times where we've all gone, man, Lord, what was that? That was like a total miss. And you can be offended 
devoted. You can get hard-hearted toward the prophetic. You can then close off your life from any prophetic ministry. But the prophetic gift is actually such a powerful gift when it's rooted and grounded in the spirit of God, the love of God, the presence of God. And yet we are so called to be in this place, to be connected to it. But there are going to be times where we're disappointed in it. But in that place of disappointment is a place to mature. In that place of disappointment is an opportunity to test the word, to learn how to walk out a prophetic word. Because I tell you what, the prophetic words that I received in my 20s, I weigh different now being in my 40s. And what do I do now? I learned through years of just walking out of receiving prophetic ministry or releasing prophetic ministry that I'm to bring the word of the Lord when I receive it, uh, bring those words to the Lord, test them against the word, submit them to the counsel that I have in my life, the accountability in my life, and allow the Lord to sift through those words as I pray through them what is of him. And if there is anything of those words that's not of him, Lord, speak to me and show me uh, what parts to partner with. Or if, if, if I'm going to partner with all of it, here's my point. Activate the fullness of your identity in Christ. You are not a puppet. God has called you to walk out in the fullness that you're a son and a daughter. I know someone's going to prophesy over you and I love it. Prophetic is so powerful. And yet use the God spirit in you. Use the discernment gift within you. Allow the spirit of God to speak to you and lead you through what it is to walk out the prophetic partnership in your life. When you talk about learning and maturing in your walk, I have a story, a situation that happened to me some years ago. I was in this uh, happening church in Northern California. It was the first time that I was able to speak at the body. And so I was really wanting to make a good impression. And all of a sudden I, I preach, I come to the end of the service. I stand a man up. I could see it right now as if it's right in front of me. He's on the right hand side, about three quarters of the way back. Point this guy out. I, I, I saw something that I believe was on his chest. And so I said, Hey, stand up, sir. And I was kind of getting a little bold. I said, you've had a heart attack and you've had blocked arteries. Isn't that correct? And he shakes his head. No, not an affirmation <laughs> the other way, like negatory. Like, and I go, I said, well, you've had some chest pains and there's been some sharpness kind of it's affected your breath on your left-hand side. The guy shakes his head again. No. I said, you've had heartburn. You know, I'm trying to reduce it and try to get the guy in on it. He shakes his hand again. No. And I just remember feeling in that moment, so tiny, small. I was Ant-Man with no powers. I wanted to just shrink, move out of the backside of the foyer and just never minister again. So you're, you're talking about prophetic disappointment. I was disappointed in my own prophetic gift. We've all been there. And right there in that moment, I was, I was just going to shut it down. And I just felt like the Lord just kind of sparked in my heart. The gist left of this gentleman was a woman that's suffering sharp pain all over her body and her condition is fibromyalgia. And so I said, just left of this man right now, the Lord is healing a woman. You have a chronic pain all over your body. It's spread throughout your arms. You have fibromyalgia. And all of a sudden this woman screams, she jumps up and down. She runs forward like the price is right. I call out her uh, uh, condition. I lay hands and pray for her and she gets immediately healed. And I end up talking to her later, like I ran into her like months later. And she says she was completely healed, never had any pain for fibromyalgia. And I learned something very vital that day that my failure or my disappointment or simply missing it allowed me to mature Ooh. because in that moment, rather than quitting, I said, God, you know, I missed it. I don't know where that came from, but Lord, I know you do this stuff. Help me with this. 
And I really felt like the Lord saying, okay, son, I got you. Mm -hmm. I love that. I was humbled, but in that humbling, there is an upgrade. And you know, you always say this, that sometimes after your greatest misses come your greatest makes. And I think that's such a powerful statement because if you give up and you stop at the misses, you never get the makes. And I think we all go through the misses and then we learn what it is through the makes. And so I think we have to understand we are in a world full of human people that miss it. And that's not giving permission to just miss it and prophesy whatever the heck people want to do. But yet it's trying to create a place of credibility with the prophetic and yes, an accountability with the prophetic, but also recognizing at the end of the day, the greatest prophet of all, his name is Jesus. So keep it 100 tribe. As always, we want to have you get some takeaways and we are calling these the hurdles to a true prophetic bead. So these are some things that you have to break through in order to tap into the plumb line of the prophetic in your life. The first takeaway is a fear of disapproval. Now, you know exactly what I'm talking about with that. As a prophetic voice, that fear of man has to be stripped in your life. I went through so many circumstances and situations in my life where God went after the fear of man. Because see, when God knows you carry the prophetic, there has to be a surrender and really an alignment with God more than with man. And when you are a prophetic person, I believe God allows a stripping and a refining, even a testing of that in your life in order to create a depth and a discipline in the prophetic voice. And so we're not just looking for someone that is just going to prophesy a nice, encouraging word. We're looking for the word of the Lord and the Lord is going to refine his vessels. And that comes through the fear of disapproval. And so we must be secure in our identity as sons and daughters of the most high God. And, you know, people are going to give you their feedback and sometimes it's good and you can't actually get caught up in that either. You can't believe the hype. You can't believe all the accolades, although it's nice to get encouraging words and people, you know, believing in you and affirming the prophetic gift in your life. But you have to recognize you're a dependent vessel on God. That is, he is simply using you, that it's actually not yours, but there is a, you are simply a vehicle that God is using and it's an honor and a privilege to be used. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, there's going to be people that are critical of you and that too will, will not sway you because your identity is rooted in God. So whether you're encouraged or whether you are criticized, it is actually irrelevant when your identity as a prophetic person has pushed through the hurdle of the fear of disapproval. I love what you're saying. And it's so true. The prophetic is not for the faint of heart or fragile eagles. You've got to be solid. Number two hurdles to a true prophetic bead is not realizing that your gifting is in a New Testament context, not, underscore not, an Old Testament one. And some of the signs that you're maintaining an Old Testament context is believing you have an infallible hotline to God that bypasses the input of leadership. You have to understand, and we've already established, that you and I do have a hotline to God, but it is fallible. In other words, we can miss it. And that's the reason why Paul tells us to test words. That's the reason why a lot of times it's important to have people speaking in your life, another set of eyes. And so in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Moses, they had an infallible hotline to God. The Bible is very clear that men were moved by the Holy Spirit. But now in the New Testament context, it's by grace that we prophesy. It's by faith that we prophesy. And we prophesy according to our faith. Sometimes 
we prophesy beyond where our faith is at. And so in that, it can kind of miss the mark. And so you have to realize that. Also, I think people that don't recognize the difference between a New Testament context and Old Testament context as relates to the prophetic is that they resist having their prophetic words weighed by the body of Christ. I know that kind of thing of I'm a prophet of God. How dare you question my word, wait, time out. <laughs> right. If you're a true prophet of God, you should know scripture and you should know there should be a question. There should be a testing. The Bible talked about Bereans in the Bible. They look and see whether or not Paul's words were true. And so if, if they would examine, we need to be Bereans. And so your word should be weighed by the body of Christ. And so you got to realize your giftings in New Testament context, not an old one. Another one is not protecting the unity of the body of Christ or your church. In a New Testament context, you have to protect the unity of the body. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you don't speak a word of correction, but when you're deliberately dividing the body of Christ, that's not prophetic wisdom. That's Remember right. in the Old Testament, Solomon literally found out who the true mother was of a child when two women came to Saul, both saying it, it was the, they were the mother of that child. And Solomon, his wisdom said, hand me a sword. And he was going to pretend like he was going to cut the baby in two to find out who the true mother was. One woman said, yeah, go ahead and slice him and give him to each of us. And the true mom says, no, don't slice him. Give the baby to the other mother. Solomon, his wisdom, found out who the true mom was mm. because she was going to protect the unity of her child. And Ooh, you have to do that. And in your local church, you need to find out in terms of your pastor, you should not be trying to prophesy and wrestle the control or or direction of a church that's not your position. God put that pastor, that apostle, that leader in the church. And so you should find out what is the vision of the house and you should be there to help serve that and help bring that about. And also, I would just finally say a word of correction should always be submitted to the leadership privately, not released publicly. I love that. That is so well said and needs to really be heard. So I just love what you shared just a moment ago. You know, the third and final Keep It 100 takeaway for this week, talking about hurdles to a true prophetic bead. The third one is not being healed from past wounds. Now, this is so important. We want to end with this one simply because we feel like there's a lot of people People that have a prophetic gift, but they have broken hearts. And so we have to understand that when you have a broken heart or a broken spirit, it's very difficult to prophesy from who God is. See, God is not defeated. He's not depressed. He's not a victim. He's not hopeless. He's a God of victory. He's a God of breakthrough. He's a God of peace. He's a God of joy. When you are out of alignment, you're disconnected from the spirit of God and the character of God and who God is, you can't prophesy the fullness of his attributes. And I believe when we saw it, especially in the 80s, a lot of angry prophets. That was actually a lot of undealt with pain, undealt with trauma, undealt with issues yes. in people's lives. And it became a character characteristic trait of the prophet, so to speak, which actually was a very dysfunctional form of the prophetic. Why is that dysfunctional? Because God is not an angry God. Yes, I believe there are times when God brings correction, but our God is a God of love and our God is a God of redemption and restoration. Yes, he will correct you. He is never going to uh, mince his words, so to speak. He is going to never dilute his message. He is a righteous God. He's a, he is a God of correction, but there's not an anger. He's not an angry angry father. And, and I believe that there is the distortion that we bring our fleshly emotions to communicate on behalf of a whole father. And so Ooh, when God good. 
when you become a mouthpiece for the spirit of God, there has to be a healing and a wholeness that happens in your life. If you don't love people, you should not be prophesying. If you don't come with compassion and empathy to people, you should not be prophesying. There is such a compassion in the word of God. There is such a kindness in the word of God. There is such a mercy and grace that follow us all the days of our life in the word of God. The narrative of redemption should be the narrative of the prophetic. And I believe that when we have places of undealt with issues in our life that are unhealed wounds, it can unfairly taint the prophetic through us and in us. That is so profound. And I would just say along with that is that we've got to have prophetic integrity. Like you said, your life must be in alignment with the message. And I would also add, as prophetic people, we must have self-awareness. You have to understand when you're hurt. You have to understand when you are lonely. You have to understand when you're mad. You have to understand when you feel like you've been taken advantage of. You have to have Mm self-awareness because you have self-awareness. It will guard your pure stream of the Holy Spirit. Some people have not assessed and accommodate. I love that term, (laughs) boo, you've used that amongst your friends. You got to assess and accommodate because if you don't have self-awareness, you will leave the river of love. And you got to remember, I think one of the more more profound verses as it relates to the prophetic is 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, follow the way of love, yet eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And, and so if you're going to prophesy, begin where that verse begins with love. And so check yourself, ask Holy Spirit to allow a love of God to well up in your heart, both for the people you're called to prophesy to, the people you're receiving prophetic words from, and just walk in that because that is the way that your revelatory stream will be redeemed and you will pull out of prophetic disappointment. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends and be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out, share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, I just want you to know you do not want to miss our next podcast. Our next podcast is going to be so amazing. We're going to talk about this theme of relevance versus righteousness. We have a special guest that will surprise you. So tune in next episode as we tackle this very crucial subject. And remember, relief will change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it